Hello. Welcome to the Myths and History of Greece and Rome. Chapter 76 And You Thought Caligula Was Nuts Marcus Aurelius was ill. The emperor had reigned for nineteen hard but successful years, but his reign was coming to an end. His illness lasted a week, and it was obvious that he was dying. His friends were upset, but Marcus told them not to be. Why do you weep for me? he asked, instead of thinking about the plague and death which is the common lot of us all. He stopped eating and drinking, so that he wouldn't linger on as a sick man for too long. Marcus Aurelius, the dedicated, compassionate warrior emperor, died aged 59 on the 17th of March, 180 AD. The 19 years of his rule had been full of trouble for the Romans, but whatever needed to be done for the good of the empire, Marcus had done it. The constant wars and disasters added to the Antonine Plague would have been too much for most men, but Marcus Aurelius held the empire together and left it strong. As the historian Cassius Dio said, he did not meet with the good fortune he deserved. Marcus would probably have dismissed these words. His stoicism allowed him to accept that life was not always fair. The reigns of power passed without incident to his only surviving son. Lucius Aurelius Commodus was only young, but he had been in the limelight for many years. In 166, he and his brother, Marcus Annius Verus, were named Caesar when Commodus was only five. Little Marcus died in 169. Marcus's other sons had already died, and so Commodus was the sole heir. In 177, when he was 16, Marcus named him his co-Augustus. Commodus was 18 when his father died, and he became emperor, too young, too inexperienced, and too keen on doing just what he wanted to do. Marcus had done his best to educate the boy in the art of ruling. Commodus, though, was Nero and Caligula combined, and he took a successful dynasty and a thriving empire, and spent twelve years ruining both. It didn't have to have been like this, though. At the start of his reign, and for most of the first ten years, the people loved him. But why? Well, because Commodus loved the games. Marcus had only held games when he absolutely had to, but Commodus gave the people what they wanted. Games, games and more games. He was also a tall and handsome man, like his father and grandfather, and he looked like an emperor should look. He was said to have had naturally blonde curly hair, which gleamed in the sunlight with such brilliance that some people thought gold dust had been scattered in it. This was the first time for over a hundred years that a son had succeeded his father as Roman Emperor, and this succession was very different from that of Titus. Titus was already in his thirties when his father came to the throne, and was an experienced military commander. He was old enough and worldly enough to learn how to rule during his father's reign, and be fully ready for the responsibility when it came. Commodus had not even been born when Antoninus Pius died. This particular fact made Commodus unique among the Roman emperors in being born to the purple, that is, being born to a reigning emperor. He would not be the last, and being born to the purple would come to be seen as something very special. The first thing that Commodus did was to end the war against the German tribes. Here he was lucky. There were no powerful enemies left for Rome when he came to power. Both the Parthians and the German tribes had spent the last twelve years having the stuffing kicked out of them by Marcus, and neither was too keen on any more wars. So Commodus declared victory, negotiated some loose peace treaties, and marched back to Rome in triumph. The Germans were delighted. 
Their armies had been devastated by war and plague, and their leaders were all dead. Peace was just fine by then. The treaty lasted a long time, and the Quadi and Marcomanni provided recruits for the Roman army for many years to come. When Commodus got back to Rome, the people of the Eternal City welcomed him with open arms. The soldiers were very supportive because he had ended the war and let them rest. The new emperor only had to get the Senate on his side and everyone would be happy. Commodus, however, decided he wouldn't bother with the Senate. In fact, he decided to deliberately be rude to them. He threw a massive set of games and gave every male citizen of Rome a nice donative, but ignored the Senate completely. Over the last 62 years, only four senators had been executed, all in the early years of Hadrian's reign. Not a single senator had been executed by either Antoninus Pius or Marcus Aurelius, and both had been very proud of this fact. Sadly for the ancient body, all this was about to change. From very early on, Commodus couldn't really be bothered with actually governing the empire, so he left it to his favourites. First, he relied on his chamberlain, a freedman called Ceteris, who began stealing land and money from the senators and having them tried for treason. When he was killed, Tigidius Perennis took over, and he was just as corrupt. In 182, an assassination attempt was made on Commodus, but surprisingly it was not led by the Senate, but by his sister, Lucilla. She had been the wife of Lucius Verus, and so, since Marcus's wife was dead, the most important woman in the empire. This changed when Commodus married Crispina. Lucilla reportedly blew her top when Crispina stole her favourite seat in the theatre, and she decided it was time to overthrow her little brother. She persuaded a man called Quintianus, a nephew of Marcus's general Pompeianus, to do the deed, and one day he pounced as Commodus was leaving the Flavian amphitheatre. He shouted, See, this is what the Senate sends you, and lunged towards the Emperor. But the Praetorians were too quick for him, and he was killed. Lucilla was exiled, and the other conspirators executed. Not long later, Commodus had his big sister killed. From this time on, Commodus hated the Senate, despite the fact that the ancient body hadn't actually had anything to do with the plot. Commodus then had everyone who knew about the plot killed. This included two consuls, some senators, and the governor of Upper Germany, Salvius Julianus. This man had a cousin called Didius Julianus, governor of Lower Germany. He was fired but escaped execution, and we'll hear much more about him in the next chapter. Two other governors who were fired but not killed were Marcus's general Pertinax and a man called, from Africa called Septimius Severus. We will also meet both of them again soon. After just two years on the throne, Commodus had already had more people killed than Domitian, who was assassinated for his supposed cruelty. Not since Tiberius was emperor had so many senators been killed. In 183, a revolt in Dacia was put down by two generals called Clodius Albinus and Pescennius Niger. Tigidius Perennis was a nasty, self-serving and treacherous man, but he was actually quite good at running the empire, so the people and the soldiers, but not of course the senate, were still relatively happy. Perennis, though, was killed in 185 after some people lied to Commodus about a plot. Commodus was not interested in the truth, he just wanted to be popular, so he quickly had Perennis executed. The next person who ran the empire for Commodus was a former slave named Cleander. He was much worse than his predecessors. He had all of Perennis's bad points, but none of his organisational skills. 
he most definitely wasn't good at governing, so the empire started to fall apart. He was an expert, though, in sucking up to the emperor. Soon he was rewarded with the unprecedented title of the Dagger, or the Minister for Security and Protection. For five years, Cleander controlled the emperor and all access to him. Commodus, though, was taking even less notice of the affairs of state, and he spent his time drinking, bathing and training to be a gladiator. It is this last point which precipitated the change in how the people and the troops viewed their emperor. Commodus loved the fights in the Colosseum. Unlike all of his predecessors except Nero, Commodus was unable to draw the line between enjoying the spectacle and wanting to be part of it. He desperately wanted to be in the amphitheatre himself, so he trained, and he trained very hard. Apparently, he was actually quite a talented fighter, and he put an awful lot of work into improving his skills. This, though, was a scandal. Gladiators were no more important than actors. They were at the bottom of the pile, the lowest of the low. A senator being a gladiator was unthinkable. But an emperor? No, this couldn't happen. This was a bit like the Queen of England serving burgers in McDonald's. Commodus promoted himself, and soon he was the most important attraction on the bill at the games. But the emperor couldn't be allowed to lose, so he never fought a fair fight. Most of the people he fought were injured already, or were made to carry swords made of lead, which were too heavy to fight with. Commodus made the senators watch him in the arena, just like Caligula making senators view the executions, and Nero forcing them to hear his musical performances. The senate began to despise him even more, if that were possible. The emperor didn't care, and carried on, his behaviour becoming increasingly bizarre. The senator and historian Cassius Dio relates a typical story. Commodus had just beheaded an ostrich. He held the bloody head in his left hand and raised his sword, also dripping with blood. He didn't speak a word, just wagged his head with a grin, indicating, according to Dio, that he would do the same to him and his fellow senators. Indeed, he wrote, many would have perished by the sword on the spot for laughing at him, for it was laughter, not indignation, that we felt. I chewed some laurel leaves and persuaded others near me to do the same, so the steady movements of our jaws might conceal the fact that we were laughing. Even the legions were now starting to get upset with Commodus. When Pertinax won a victory against the British rebels, his troops hailed him Emperor. Pertinax very sensibly refused. In 186, a man called Maternus started to raid towns and cities in Gaul and eventually raised quite a large army, which attacked territory in both Gaul and Spain. This rebellion, like the one in Dacia, was defeated by Pescennius Niger. And then there was another assassination attempt. This one was discovered and snuffed out by Pertinax. These revolts made the emperor increasingly paranoid. Everyone associated with the last rebellion was executed. Everyone associated with the people associated with the rebellion was executed. An awful lot of people were executed. Cleander also had anyone he didn't like executed, including the emperor's wife, who Commodus had become increasingly bored with. Eventually, though, enough people had had enough of Cleander, and a plot was hatched. In 189, Commodus and Cleander had appointed 25 people as consul. In the time of the Republic, the consuls were the leaders of Rome for a year, and there were only two in any one year. By the time of Commodus, the consuls had no real power, but the consulship was still the pinnacle of senatorial achievement. Twenty-five in one year was just not on. 
it devalued the ancient institution severely. One of the notorious 25 was that man Septimius Severus. In 189, some clever senators got together and implied that Cleander was responsible for a food shortage. The whole event tells us everything we need to know about Commodus. The primary characteristic of the still young emperor was his complete and total selfishness. As with Nero and Caligula, he'd quickly discovered he could do whatever he liked, whenever he liked, and the pursuit of doing whatever he liked was all that mattered to him. Loyalty to his friends was an alien concept. Friends were only friends when they were useful. Once they ceased to be useful, they were liabilities, and Commodus had no more use for them. Cleander had been useful. Now, he wasn't. The whispers against Cleander travelled quickly from the Senate to the people. A grain shortage affected everyone, and there was soon a baying mob exiting the Circus Maximus and heading for the palace. Cleander, who was after all Praetorian prefect and thus had soldiers to command, ordered that the crowd be dispersed. This was done with heavy-handed efficiency, and quite a few rioters were killed. Later, though, the Praetorians were stoned by the ever-increasing crowd and backed off. The mob grew and grew until it was a seething mass of anti-Cleander spite and then made its way to Commodus's luxurious palace. Commodus was so feared by his close circle at this time that nobody wanted to tell him what was going on. He was perfectly capable of killing the messenger. In the end, his sister and his favourite lover made their way to his room and threw themselves at his feet. There, they told him of Cleander's multitudinous crimes and of the mob about to unleash themselves on his royal personage. Commodus didn't bat an eyelid. He simply commanded that Cleander's head was to be removed from his shoulders and thrown to the mob. This was done. There were quite a few willing volunteers. Once the crowd received the head, they were pacified and dispersed. Cleander was dead. Commodus was fine. In the head of the emperor, that was all that mattered. Now that he had none of his useful friends left, Commodus had to do some real ruling. He was completely unable to do this, though, because he was, by now, completely bonkers. From 190 to 192, he ruled over one of the maddest times that the emperor had known. He did, though, appoint a new Praetorian prefect, an African Roman called Quintus Letus. Letus arranged the appointment of a few of his friends to key governorships. Piscinius Niger was made governor of Syria, Two fellow Africans, Clodius Albinus and Septimius Severus, were appointed to the governorships of Br Britain and Upper Pannonia, respectively. Commodus soon decided that he was Hercules. Not that he was like Hercules, but that he actually was Hercules. Hercules was a mythical Greek hero, but Commodus decided that Hercules was real and that he was a reincarnation. Even the people of Rome, who had always loved or certainly tolerated him, decided this was going too far. Much too far. Commodus had a large number of statues of himself made, in which he was dressed as Hercules, and wherever he went he carried round a huge club, which he called the Club of Hercules. Then he went further. In 191, a huge fire ravaged Rome. Commodus decided this meant he could remake Rome. He renamed the Eternal City, Colonia Commodiana. He renamed the legions, Commodiani. The Senate were to be called Commodus's Fortunate Senate. By this time, Commodus had given himself twelve names. He was now called Lucius, Elius, Aurelius, Commodus, Augustus, Hercules, Romanus, Exuperatorius, Amazonius, Invictus, Felix, Pius. Now twelve was a handy number, 
because there were 12 months of the year, so he named the months after himself. Nuts or what? Mad Commodus was also increasingly paranoid Commodus. By now he was so scared of being killed by an assassin that he never left the palace or his Italian houses except to pursue his gladiatorial ambitions. By this time, even his friends realised that Commodus had to go. They approached Pertinax, now the city prefect, and begged him to take the position of emperor if they killed Commodus. It's not known whether Pertinax actually agreed this time, but the plot was going to go ahead anyway. On New Year's Eve 192, Commodus went out hunting, as he so frequently did. He came back to the palace exhausted, and his girlfriend Marcia gave him some wine to drink. It was laced with poison. Commodus drank it and then went to bed. He apparently realised he'd been poisoned and made himself sick. The conspirators then sent in Narcissus, a wrestling friend of Commodus, who strangled the mad, dangerous emperor. Commodus was 31 years old and had ruled the empire about as badly as was humanly possible for 12 years. As with the assassination of Domitian, the Senate had a replacement ready, whether he was in agreement or not. Unlike Nerva, though, the successor of Commodus would not be the founder of a golden age. In fact, he would be killed after fewer than a 100 days, and 193 AD would go down in history as the year of the five emperors. Commodus has been the subject of many films. The way his reign marked the end of the greatest period in Roman history, and the fact that he was bonkers, have captured the imagination of filmmakers. Most of these films, like the hit movie Gladiator, don't show the events as they really happened, but tell a very different story. Commodus was the beginning of the end for ancient Rome, although it would be a long time before Rome eventually fell to the barbarians. His rule, according to the historian Cassius Dio, marked the descent from a kingdom of gold to one of rust and iron. With the great power of hindsight, many people have criticised Marcus Aurelius for breaking with the system which had contributed to the success of the five good emperors. Nerva, Trajan, Hadrian and Antoninus Pius had not left the empire to their sons. They had appointed talented and good men to succeed them. Marcus allowed an unsuitable youth to take over simply because he was his son. Surely he should have had the foresight to pass over Commodus and appoint someone better. This, though, is entirely unfair. None of the aforementioned four emperors actually had sons. It's almost certain that if they had, they would have wanted their own flesh and blood to succeed them. Not only that, a son of a former emperor who had been overlooked would have been a focal point for rebellion. Any appointed emperor would be constantly looking over his shoulder, waiting for the revolt. The only way of avoiding this would be for the dying emperor to order the death of his own son. Can we really blame Marcus Aurelius for not doing this? I don't think so. Still, another dynasty, perhaps the greatest of all the Roman dynasties, was gone. Built up by five good emperors, it had been destroyed by one really terrible one. The Roman world woke up on New Year's Day 193 with a severe problem. Their powerful golden empire had been plunged into darkness by one bad, bad, mad, mad man. Next time, we'll see what happens and what emerges from the chaos. Before I go, just a quick reminder that the top trumps cards for Marcus Aurelius and Commodus will now be available for subscribers. So, until next time, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you then.